Dropping knowledge bombs all over the state of Alabama. Pew, 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 pew. Druid News Radio, Druid News Radio. Listen to us on Druid News Radio. Welcome to Truett News Radio. It's your weekly dose of gumption and positivity, for whatever that means. Now, here are your hosts, Tony Truett and Brock Murphy, probably the two coolest guys in the world, at least in their minds. Let it rip, fellas. Oh, let's do it, Brock. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Good morning to you. Good morning to the state of Alabama. Thank you for listening to Truett News Radio. Hey, I'm Tony Truett with Truett Insurance and Bonding. If we can help you with any uh, business coverage or home and auto insurance, and I do a lot of surety bond work for contractors, bring it on to us. Bring it on. I'm Brock Murphy with Brock G. Murphy Law Firm. Love to help you out if you're a small business, can form you, can sell part of your assets, can sell your company. Uh, if you're in construction, work a lot on that. Do liens and uh, litigation, mediation, arbitration. Love to help you out. Uh, Tony, let's get on to the show. Huh? Yeah, let's do it, man. What a week. Uh, I went down to the Alabama Road Builders Association luncheon. Yeah. Uh, that was the president's luncheon. True yeah. News Radio alum Skip Poe running yes, the show there. He's right. their executive director. He did a good job uh, taking care of all of it. And it was really nice. I just thought I was going to like a monthly lunch. I didn't realize this was like the big shindig, but oh, it was yeah. great. Ran into a lot of people I haven't seen in a while. Uh, really enjoyed seeing Will Gray. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Chad Strasner was there and Jerome Young. There was oh, a bunch of folks. A lot of folks. Uh, and then I got to sit at the kind of the DOT table. The Department oh, of Transportation yeah, yeah. folks joined right. me at the table. Ooh, and we Aldot. had a blast talking about stuff. I really enjoyed it. But, that's, uh, uh, that's some good work, I tell you. That uh, you know, within the construction industry, uh, that's some really good work. In fact, it just doesn't mean anything to you. But you know, you can't even do retainage on at least a state project. Uh, there's no retainage at oh, all. How yeah, about that, man? Yeah. Well, uh, Brandon Owens is—he's uh, the new president. They swore him in. He's with Wiregrass Construction, and uh, he—I thought this was just great. He got to do it. His wife was there. Two of his kids were there, and oh. his dad was there, who yeah. was a former president. Uh, you know, several several years back, but yeah. uh, his dad was there to see his son sworn in as yeah. the president. I thought that yeah. was kind of keeping cool. it in the family. Yeah, I like that. That's really great. good. Listen, and, oh, go ahead, go. You go. Well, no, man, I, uh, I signed up. I'm going to the Nashville Downtown Partnership Luncheon coming up next month. Oh. I'm excited about that. Well, and uh, and I got to swing by Hamburger Heaven one day, and uh, that place is always awesome. Always and I hadn't good. been there in a while, so yeah. uh, that's a great place. Well, you know, there's one right down the hill from us. Yeah. I, I go to that. Well, this was the one in Irondale. Been but, a minute. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, they, they always serve up really good hamburgers, for sure. <clears throat> They've got some special sauce that's really good. Uh, but, but, yeah, just generally, always serve up a, a, a good dish there at Hamburger yeah. Heaven. Uh, I just... Uh been working with some folks over at City Bowls, uh, and they've got an exciting deal. So they're about to open up their first uh, location in Huntsville. It's going to be way right. over on the 231 side yep. of Huntsville, uh, but that's going in, and it, and it looks uh, really nice. They built that from the from the ground up, and it looks like uh, maybe beginning next week, they'll be taking over the old Rush Bowls location, uh, which is right there by Pints and Pies, uh, uh, right off 20th Street around 1st Avenue South. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, be looking for City Bowls uh, downtown near UAB. Man, that's Good. Hey, let's jump on into the news here. Uh, let's start out with the Nashville Predators. Yeah. Uh, they got some big news this week. They're yeah. doing their first ever jersey patch sponsor, yes. and it's Regions, yeah. Birmingham-based Regions. So uh, that's kind of cool, I thought. Well, I, you know, it's interesting. So I, I went up a couple years ago and caught a Predators game, and it was like I landed on the moon because I was really excited to be there. Uh, I knew I was a Predators fan because I'm sitting there, but it dawned on me right before that started that I don't know a single player on the Predators team 
game and they were playing the Los Angeles Kings who you know you're supposed to not like because they're the visitor yeah. and I and I didn't know who I shouldn't like on the Los Angeles Kings so I ended up talking to the folks around me kind of getting an idea and had a blast at the Predators game and have been watching them ever since and it's interesting kind of like my favorite menu items at most restaurants tend to be the ones that get removed about a year or two later here we are two years later and pretty much everybody who I had grown familiar with on the roster for the Predators they've been removed they've been traded off it's a practically a whole new roster including the coach so exciting times i guess for nashville but i don't yeah. know who a lot of these people are man uh congrats to mike cole scott powell and kane conway they're the people that run big mike steakhouse oh, which yeah. a lot of people around the, uh, the state know they got them uh, there's five locations now but uh they're celebrating 10 years in business yeah. and uh they got a great place uh, started down in thomasville but i know there's one in uh, Gulf Shores and uh, there's one in Auburn, I think. Yeah, uh, they just opened the. It's not called Big Mike's, but the thing up in Gunnersville. Yeah, right. That they operate. Sure. So, uh, man, that's uh, that's great. A lot of good things in front of them. Well, I like that you have down here. Their concept is basically you know make things in small rural towns so people don't have to drive to big cities for amazing food. Yep. That's a good concept. Well, I they like do. That. They do a good job yeah. for sure. I th- also thought this was cool. Kind of in the you know the college athletic. Uh, arms race that's going on up in uh, uh, Knoxville, part of SEC country. They're yeah. uh, renovating Thompson Bowling Arena, and uh, Merit Construction is doing that. But uh, they're going to be called. It's now going to be Thompson Bowling Arena at Food City Center. Yeah. So everybody's getting corporate sponsors, getting that extra money in, but they that they keep doing it. But sure. this is kind of an outlier. Uh, you know, when Thompson Bowling was built, it was uh, it was a massive yeah, place. 21,678 seats. For sure. That's the third largest in the country. Yeah, and uh, it's amazing that they they have a good following, but that's a lot of people to have to come to every game. And uh, but that thing opened in '87, but uh, yeah. apparently they're going to keep riding with the Thompson Bowling Arena for a while as they're making these improvements and uh, and got some money coming in from a sponsor. You know, from a context perspective, right? The BJCC, as we call it, yep. Legacy Arena. Now, I think I'm right that its capacity is somewhere between eight and ten thousand. Yeah, they they shrank. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know they and and all the universities, the new arenas that are going up are all smaller. They're, yeah. you know, 8,000, 9,000 seats, that kind of thing. Well, and uh, that's what I'm saying. For as many college basketball games as there are, 21,000 yeah, seats, that's a, that's a, lot. a chore to, to fill up. I it. saw a similar kind of arms race thing. Uh, so the University of Nebraska, you know, they've come on hard times. They, they've got Matt Rule up there, and they're trying to right the ship after uh, well, probably a decade, really, of being somewhat irrelevant after having been a powerhouse for so long. Uh, their stadium seats about 83,000, j- just shy of 83,000. Trev Alberts is a, uh, was a great player there. He's now the athletic director, and he announced something that's sort of interesting to me. They're going to do a $450 million renovation to the stadium, Tony. Hmm. $450 million. Uh, what it's going to essentially do is increase the size of the concourse in two levels, both on the ground level and the top level. Uh, but what it's going to also do during an entire season in 25, it's going to reduce the number of fans by 22,000 while they do this. And then when it's through, the seat, the, the stadium will seat somewhere around 73,000. So they're going to lose yeah. about 10,000 people in the stadium. And this is a stadium that has sold out forever and ever and ever from people coming from all over the state to see the one school in their state. Uh, so it's just sort of interesting, $450 million to increase facilities, but reduce by 10,000 people the it, it number of folks like are going to attend. $450 million should buy you an entirely new stadium. <laughs> I think so too, right? Exactly. But uh, Brock, I have an uh, important safety announcement for everybody out there. I bought oh. a new paper shredder oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. which uh, in my advanced state of being able to pl- uh, put things together yes. i was able to put the cord oh. attached to it and plug it in and oh, it works but that's I, nice i was i was reviewing the safety manual no ties with it and uh, it had all the things you would expect 
that uh, you know you shouldn't have loose articles yeah. around it. It can yeah. get called hair, that kind Pies. of thing. But then it, it had its own uh, little uh, uh, kind of a surprise. bullet point on here that says, uh, at no point should you spray gas onto it because it could be flammable. <laughs> uh, and I, 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 I figure that applies to all paper <laughs> yeah, shredders. Yeah, right, so I just right. want the folks to know that <laughs> yeah. don't don't put gas yeah, on your paper shredder. Don't, don't spray gas on your paper. Who you know? Again, I have to point out as an attorney. Uh, in the context of labeling, negligent labeling, uh, that is on that device because somebody did that. Now, the question becomes, what was the reason that somebody in some place decided that it was absolutely common sense to spray <laughs> gas onto this device in some form or fashion? I've gotten the screwdriver out and tried to clear the jam. That's not going to work. I've, I've done this. Yeah. And, uh, man, I'm just going to put gas on Yeah, it. I'm going to put gas. Yeah, and then I'm going to light yeah. it on fire. I'll burn the paper. Well, let me ask you this as an attorney. Uh, why does why don't they just put the only thing you should use this product for yeah. is putting paper in it? Yeah, and don't do don't do anything it. else yeah. to it. Yeah, don't it could do be bad. Else. Yeah, well, I, one one would assume that the sprayed gas on the paper shredder had something to do with a maintenance concept, right? Somebody's trying to do something. Surely, surely someone was trying to do something to fix a problem and they sprayed gas on the shredder. I, I, I don't, it, it's incomprehensible to me and it's absolutely hysterical that that's literally <laughs> it's in the a book. warning yeah, in yeah. the book. Uh, well, man, I was sad to see Lloyd's is closing out there. Yeah. That was announced, and uh, that's they've had a I think an eighty five ish year run. Uh, yeah. But they uh, that was a Truett family staple growing up. We were right out there like Friday nights, and that was yeah. back when nothing was out oh, on two eighty. Right, right. And uh, so, man, yeah, they still got the one in Silicaga that kind of recently opened, but uh, the one there, I guess Brook Highland area, yeah, is yeah. going to be no more. Yeah, yeah, that is sad. I, I hate to see that. That was a long time, and that there was some real good food there. Yeah. You know, our uh, Birmingham Stallions won the USFL times two. Yeah, I was about to say twice. Yeah, yeah, that, that two times, brother. Yeah, uh, and and the USFL <laughs> will will survive into a season three, but now there's a big asterisk, Tony. Yeah, did we make it? I mean, I don't Are know. Are we part of this? So they're going to merge with the XFL. Uh, those two, those two didn't like each other. Uh, they were competing on different they networks. They called each and other all names. Yeah, they did. They called each yeah. other bad names. And uh, and all of a sudden, now they're going to merge. And so the question becomes, what teams will survive this merger? Makes me think of Semi Pro, right? Where uh, where Jackie Moon is hoping that his Flint <laughs> Tropics will will survive the NBA merger. Love the Flint yeah, Tropics, absolutely. Uh, so it, 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 anybody's guess as to the teams that will emerge from this, but it would be a crime. If if the Birmingham Stallions times two champions don't make it. I don't know how they're going to do it, but I actually think this is going to help uh, yeah. with attendance and all. If, uh, if sure. we are able to keep a team and sure. not everybody's based here and you actually can kind of get some rivalries with sure, people. Sure, And uh, if this actually establishes itself as the spring league and yeah. works. And uh, so I'm, I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be good. And hopefully Birmingham plays a part in it and uh, all the folks in Alabama can get behind it. I, I saw a few of uh, the broadcasts of the XFL and um, – you know, I live in Birmingham. We tried very hard to promote uh, USFL season one. What was kind of curious is we never could get anybody on yeah. the show to talk about it. They, we they tried. Did, they didn't have time to do it. So it was 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 one of the statements one time. They didn't have ten minutes. But anyway, uh, I, I did watch a couple of broadcasts of XFL games, and and I have to say it was very well done. So it, it'll be interesting to see how it blends and the product that emerges. And here's hoping that Birmingham has a franchise in it. Yeah. Hey, uh, I found this out this week, and I didn't know this even existed, but the uh, Miss Rodeo Alabama. Yeah. We actually have a Miss Rodeo yes, Alabama. And the contest is is coming up uh, for the, 
the 2024 Miss Rodeo Alabama oh. up in Falkville, yeah. October 20th and 21st, man. We need to roll up there. And we yeah. actually have somebody from the organization coming on, Yeah, I think, next week or the week after. Uh, but, uh, man, we got a packed schedule, by the way, For coming sure. up. We're already through October, booking into November, oh, and, yeah. and uh, have a lot of fun people. Uh, so I'm excited about all this. People want to occupy our time slots yeah. for sure but if you if you want to be in the uh, or find out more about the miss rodeo thing it's uh the the email address is mral pageant at gmail.com oh so, okay uh, that's mral pageant at gmail.com i like that hey uh i didn't know about the savannah bananas until we did this show yeah. i found out about them from you and now of course it's a it, it's a fascinating topic because this is a group that um takes minor league baseball and has created its own thing. I mean, it, it, singular singular are the Savannah Bananas. And such a big deal are they now within the entertainment world that their 2024 world tour, uh, the destinations that they're going to go to for the Savannah Bananas, it's going to be subject now to an online draft. Next Friday at 7 o'clock, you can tune in and watch the Savannah Bananas draft where they're going to come to yeah. next. And let's hope that Birmingham's one of those that, areas. They've done an amazing job of that. I mean, really uh, kind of, I guess, oh. reworking a baseball game and making it fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's that is marketing at its at its finest right oh, there. Oh, for know? sure. Next thing you know, they're going to have bourbon uh, at the game. Yeah. Speaking of bourbon. Well, I, I saw this note, uh, and I just thought it was cool. You know, Buffalo Trace is the distillery up in uh, Frankfort, Kentucky, that uh, they're the ones that make Pappy and uh, yeah. Blanton's and on and on, you know, high-end bourbons. But sure. uh, they are coming out with uh, something they're calling the the Prohibition Collection. Yeah. Uh, but they, they had some cool information on here, I thought. So from 1920 to 33. Uh, the production, sale, and transportation of alcohol was banned during Prohibition. Can't sell it. Cannot do it. Uh, but I didn't realize this. You could get alcohol. This reminds me of the marijuana industry for yep, yep. the last however many years. You could get alcohol with a medical prescription. Sure. Doctors uh, said they believe spirits to be a cure for a wide variety of things. Yeah. And uh, you could get some booze for Ooh. it. But uh as such, the U.S. government granted licenses to six distilleries to become medicinal whiskey producers. Oof, yeah. And uh, the predecessor, I guess, of uh, Buffalo Trace uh, was the George T. Uh, T. Stagg Distillery, which has become Buffalo Trace over the yeah, years. Yeah. Uh, they were one of them. So only six of them in the entire country got to make whiskey during that. So That's uh, with that in mind, they're kind of putting all this together. The Prohibition Collection, uh, it's going to launch in October but uh, it's a five-bottle, I guess it all comes Collection, together. Yeah, but tell yeah. them what they are. Oh, sure. Well, uh, so, and again, these were brands that were legal. You had to have a medical prescription for it. And and I guess it begs the question, uh, if you were the George T. Stagg Distillery in Frankfort, Kentucky, why didn't you just do one brand? So yeah. I feel like this sort of skirted the whole concept. But you could choose between five different options. Uh, or at least was, that's what's in this. In this, right. Three Feathers. Three Feathers Bourbon, yeah. uh, Old Stag. There's your favorite one. Yeah, Old Stag. Uh, and then there's Spiritus Frementi. Yes. How about that? Yeah. Spiritus Frementi. And then there's um, Gotta Walker. have a taste. Oh, for sure. Walker Hill. And then one that kind of makes me scratch my head a little bit, Golden Wedding. Yeah. Golden Wedding Bourbon. I, I would bet you these things are about impossible to get your hands Ooh, on when they come out, too. I would I don't know so. if they're any good. My, I got the feeling they're probably, probably going to be good if these folks so. are doing it, but... Uh, but what's the difference between one and the other? I mean, again, if, if this group was producing their their well, spirit, I mean, there's, for, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of them now. You yeah, know, I mean, a bunch of different taste and right. But you would think that the government would have said, no, 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 you yeah. get to distill a whiskey and 
it's one for medicinal purposes. I mean, did did, did Spiritus Frumenti have a particular rosemary concept <laughs> that the other one didn't? I mean, you know what what was what was located with there? Yeah, or found well, within one, not in the other. Man, everybody, check out if you're interested in it. Uh, BuffaloTraceDistillery.com. You can find all this, and that actually is a really cool road trip to. Uh, I've been up to that place, and yeah. uh, very cool uh, to check out. So, uh, if you're interested in it, go go see it. Yeah. I, so, which one of those five would you prefer? Uh, I think. Uh, I'm just going to tell you, I'd go with the old stag just because I like that that's one a, too. you know. I like that too, but I'm I'm intrigued by Spiritus Frementi. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Uh, Brittany Howard, uh, that was with the Alabama Shakes. You know, she's doing her own thing, but uh, she's playing Iron City on November the sixth. Okay. So uh, get out and support her her on her What Now tour. Yep. yep. And then uh, I, this is always a favorite, Travis Tritt. Uh, he's playing down at the Sanger and Mobile on March the twenty seconds, and tickets just went on sale here recently for him. And yeah, I always love the story. Uh, I love two things about. Uh, Travis Tritt, uh, my friend Scott Register, yeah. you know, he used to do the City Stages thing, sure. and uh, Travis Tritt played the first City Stages, if I remember correctly, and uh, they got him for $500. Oh, Nobody uh, knew who Travis Tritt was that. way no back kidding. then, and uh, all these years later, he's still out here doing it. And uh, the other thing that was interesting, I saw a show on him one time, and he was dating a lady that was a little older than him. He was a, a air conditioning repair guy. Oh, is that and, right? And she was the one, uh, according to what I remember of the show, she's the one that kind of put it together and yeah, got him yeah. out singing and oh. all of that. Because I think aside from that, it's a great example of what people can do if you just had a push. You yeah, know? yeah and, right, uh, for sure. But she was the one that uh, that kind of got his career going and all that, that. And then he uh, apparently promptly broke up with her oh. once things started going. So, well, that's not uh, that's not a great part of the story. But there's a there's an entertainer in Hoover, Bailey Engel, who aspires to be the next Travis Tritt, aspires to be the next Brittany Howard, and you can hear her at Super Chicks over at Stadium Trace uh, Friday night. October 13th, Friday night, October 20th. Uh, and by the way, if you go to uh, Super Chicks on Wednesday nights, you can do trivia. We ought to go over there and see what we can do there in the trivia game. Huh, yeah, Tony? I would love to take uh, yeah. take that challenge. Yeah, down. absolutely. But, uh, let's go on to the uh, True Insurance and Bonding Hotline. This is going to be a good one. Oh, yeah, for sure. Sterling, are you with us? We've got Captain Gilliam. Hello. Loud and clear. How me? Hey, there he is. I'm really excited about this. This is Captain Sterling Gilliam, uh, who is the director of the Naval uh, or the National Naval Aviation Museum down in Pensacola, which is a fascinating place. If uh, if you're looking for a road trip, everybody go down there and check this place out because it's got some really cool stuff in there. But uh, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Yeah, absolutely. Captain Gillian, I, I, one, one question, or I guess one point to make, is for a little while, most of our listeners weren't able to uh, access your facility on the base, but I know that that changed here recently. So uh, I, I think it's all floodgates open, right, to be able to come and, and check out your facility. It absolutely is. For, uh, for a period of time, due to some force protection concerns uh, based on terrorism, uh, we were limited to Department of Defense ID card holders uh, only and their guests, which uh, cut our visitation quite a bit. We still put sure. 241,000 people wow. through the door last year. Wow. The bad news is when we're running full tilt, we can do 700, 800, 900,000 wow. a year, making us the single largest tourist attraction on the Gulf Coast, west of Orlando, east of New Orleans. Well, I tell you, I've been to it, and it is an impressive it facility uh, all the way around. I, I grew up, my father was Air Force, uh, but so, so I grew up 
you know, knowing about aviation, loving aviation, and, and frankly, wasn't quite as familiar with some of the uh, the naval birds. But it's really, really fascinating to go in there and see a, a, a bear cat, a hell cat, uh, you know, and just the history of naval aviation. Um, I, I, it's it's well worth going to. And I know even back then there were some cockpits available that you could go and sit in and see, you know, exactly what you're up to uh, if you were a naval aviator. We, we do. We have a, a lot of motion-based simulators. One of our newest exhibits, uh, was a couple of years ago, we, we repurposed about 8,500 square feet of flooring just as you walked inside the museum to a one-fifth scale replica of a USS Nimitz aircraft carrier flight deck. Oh, wow. And we recently upgraded that to put some uh, large, large video screen. I'm talking... 20 by 30 feet Oof. that show airplane landing and taking off this uh, Nimitz flight deck. Yeah, that's that, that actually, uh, this it's, been is a, just, it's been a big hit. Yeah, I bet. Uh, that that kind of makes me ask, uh, how do y'all, how do people that run a museum, I mean, when you decide to, to take on a, a repurposing or a new, a new exhibit, how, you know, how does that work, actually? How did Who came up with the idea, man, it'd be great if we put some big video screens behind <laughs> yeah, it. Right, uh, right. Do, do you get input in that, or uh, how, what happens oh, I, there? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I will say I had some trepidation about taking this job. I, as you might be aware, I spent 30 years flying for the Navy. Right. Uh, so I can spell archivist. I think I know what my <laughs> curator does. But... Um, <laughs> It's actually given me a wonderful opportunity to tell the story of naval aviation, one that I was part of for a few a long years. Time. Yeah. But yeah. it's been going on for 112 years, Ugh. and we just think of, of what our patrons would like to see and what they need to understand. Everybody saw Top Gun Maverick, which was a good movie, and naval aviators can be pretty particular about how their vocation is portrayed, but cruising company did a really really nice job and we wanted something to match that in our museum yeah well for sure well i guess i've got to ask then uh through your years as a naval aviator uh what 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 birds did you fly and are there any static displays there that are you know that, that maybe cross paths with your career uh, you know as fate would have it they did i was very fortunate i i didn't intend on joining the navy it was a it was a total chance encounter uh more on that later but I flew predominantly uh, EA-6B Prowlers, which are now retired, oh, yeah. and they've been replaced by a version of the Super Hornet. Sure. It was a carrier-based electronic attack airplane, but I was fortunate enough and hung around like bad weather long enough <laughs> that yeah. I got to fly 22 different uh, type model series oh, aircrafts, uh, a lot of Super Hornets, the E model, which is a single seat, the F model, which is the two seat, and the E-18G, which was the replacement to my venerable EA-6B Prowler. So I, I had a very blessed career. I was able to fly operationally off aircraft carriers. Very late, I was 48 uh, years old when I got my last night arrested landing. So wow. I count myself blessed and even more blessed to be back to tell the uh, story now, albeit in a non-flying status. Well, yeah, for let's sure. Ta- let's talk about that for a second. The landing on an aircraft carrier <laughs> right, at right. night, yeah. I've heard that is the most terrifying thing that's, that's available on the planet. Yeah, Tell us yeah. about how that is. Well, it's if you get out a ship at sea, and, it, and then sometimes the moon's out, you might be close to cultural lighting, but on, on occasions when you're well out at sea and there's no cultural lighting and the moon doesn't happen to be up, it's 
it's darker than the inside of a basketball, and there's not a whole lot of lights to look at. Yes, you have instruments, but at some point, at about three-quarters of a mile from the ship, you're going to transition from your instruments to looking out at a pattern of lights that's the flight deck of an aircraft carrier, and you're working your way down to try to land. There there are people on the ship, specifically the landing signal officer, that will talk to you if you're out of parameters, and if you're way out of parameters, they will wave you off so that you don't endanger yourself or the other folks on the flight deck. But it, it requires a little bit of concentration. I can't say it takes a great amount of skill because I did it for 30 years. <laughs> but you, I, I would say that um, you've just got to focus and compartmentalize. If I could apply what I learned in naval aviation to my golf game, I'd be a scratch golfer, <laughs> but I haven't been able to make that transition. <laughs> Folks, you're listening. But it really is. Uh, the day landings are, are kind of, you get used to those. The night landings, even even as I was well into, you know, 28 years of doing it, it, it still made your heart go pitter-patter. And oh, I, I miss can, it dearly. I can imagine. Folks, you're listening to Truett News Radio. We're on the air right now with Captain Sterling, Sterling Gilliam, the director of U.S. Naval Aviation Museum in Pensacola, NAS Pensacola, as they would call it. Uh, and we're thrilled to have him uh, for sure. You mentioned or made reference to the uh, F 18E and the F 18F. And if I'm not mistaken, there's some F uh, 18Es or Fs or some Super Hornets that are painted blue with some yellow trim that are located right around your facility. Is that right? So. You know, in the museum world, it's kind of hard to have a competitive advantage. A museum <laughs> is kind of a museum. Right. It, except I have the benefit of yeah. hosting up to 40 Blue Angel practices a year. As you're aware, the Blues travel every weekend sure. from the time they come back from their winter training in California yep. in March all the way to their end-of-season air show here in Pensacola in November. Yep. But every... Um, Tuesday and Wednesday, they practice literally in my backyard. We open up our flight line, uh, and we average about three, 4,000 people uh, a visit in the summertime. Uh, to put that in perspective, in 2019, we put 147,000 people on our flight line over the course of the year, averaging about 3,000 show. It's like hosting a college football game twice a week for six months out of the year. Well, I tell you. And it really is. And you're watching the actual show. The, yes, it's a practice, but you're watching these men and women practice for their upcoming events later that week. My father is a U.S. Air Force retired, but I took him out there, uh, well, I guess probably it's been six or seven years ago, but it was for a practice. And, and to your point, uh, y- you know, what a marvelous way to just sit in some stands and enjoy literally the show that everybody's going to go and attend on, on bases uh, all around the United States uh, for, for showtime. It, it is a fantastic experience, and I can't encourage people enough because even as you go to those stands, as you know, I mean, obviously, you, you pass some static display aircraft even out there uh, that you get an opportunity yes, to sir. see and walk right by and through to get out to those stands. And then, you know, either before or after, there's your facility where you can just see in an air-conditioned environment uh, literally the entire aviation history, which when you said 112 years, that really is astounding to think what has occurred from a technological perspective in the area of military aviation in barely over a century. Yeah, it is impressive. Two points on the Blue Angels. We've been doing this long enough. We've mechanized that flight line pretty nice. We've got chairs. We have narrators, concessions, water. Yes. It's it's a really, really nice experience at a low price point for our patrons. The museum's free, by the way. Yes. Um, yeah. 
as is the Blue Angel practice. If you want to rent a share, uh, have at it. Uh, but also, the other point is about every other Wednesday, um, when they practice Tuesday and Wednesdays, after the show, about 30 minutes later, the, the Blue Angels themselves will come into our appropriately named Blue Angel Atrium and sign autographs for 30 or 40. Oh, that's, yeah, that's cool. cool. Yeah, so That's a sure. pretty neat, uh, that's a, another competitive advantage that uh, the Smithsonian does not have on there. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll say again, too, That's a it's an easy trip down there. I mean, you know, our show is on in uh, Birmingham, Mobile, and Huntsville, so everybody kind of that's in the listing area, go. Yeah, go check it out if you haven't been. It's really cool. Uh, like I said, it's affordable, good family trip, get some history out of it. Let's talk about that for a second. You mentioned uh, just your background in flying and, and how you got involved. Uh, kind of give that uh, story a little bit. Well, first, uh, gladly, but you mentioned uh, naval aviation being around for 112 years. It is pretty audacious that uh, what the Wright brothers uh, first flew in 1903. Yeah, right. Eight right. years later, some clown is trying to do this from a ship. Yeah. yeah no, uh, 1911 no. is when naval aviation started, and it's been... It's been pretty remarkable the advance in technology of uh, of taking off and landing aboard a ship at sea, oh, yes. and the technology advances have been pretty pretty remarkable over that 112 year span. And the really really cool thing about it is that history is still being written right now somewhere in the Western Pacific, the Mediterranean. The Northern Arabian Sea, they're men and women flying off the flight decks of Nimitz class and forward class carriers sure. in defense of our country. Yep. For me, I'm studying, uh, I was planning to be a CPA. I was in my <laughs> sophomore year. Practically the same natural, thing. Natural yeah. path. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. At East Carolina University in Greenville, North Carolina, yeah. in the yeah. economics class is my sophomore class. I'm wandering through the student union, and the Navy recruiter was encamped there showing videos of airplanes coming and going off uh, flight decks. I was young enough, naive enough, and beguiled enough by the video to stop and talk. Sure. I ended up having one interview in college that was with the U.S. Navy. Wow. I graduated with a GPA we won't talk about on this radio show. <laughs> right, right, And right. I jumped in my 1982 Pontiac Sunbird and drove to Pensacola. Went through Officer Canada School. You two gentlemen are old enough to remember an officer and a gentleman. Sure, sure. It was that without Deborah Winger and a drill instructor <laughs> much meaner than Lou Gossett Jr. Right, right, right. Got I'm my sure. commission, uh, but what followed was this thirty-year embarrassment of riches to to do some really, really cool things in high-performance uh, aircraft. But the thing that was most special is the men and women that I met. Not only my fellow pilots that are, you know, tremendously talented people, um, but the young men and women who literally joined the Navy under police escort. Sure. And their first family, in many times, is the U.S. Navy. Yeah. Being part of that family, being part of that experience, doing something in support of this great country, yeah. it was it was an absolute joy yeah i bet that's well said, I, I wish sure. we could keep talking because th there's yeah. so much more i want to get into with you but <laughs> yeah. we got to run is there any uh anything you want to say to wrap up and tell people how to uh how to get down there and uh, go online and yeah. all that stuff yeah we, it's online and uh, just one quick update your website and i appreciate the promotion you actually have an unofficial site we're actually naval aviation museum.org uh go to that it has all the visitation stuff 
If you don't have a Department of Defense ID, you'll enter the West Gate, known to many as the Blue Angel Gate. Okay. Our hours are nine to uh, nine to four, and we look forward to having you. We're open three hundred and sixty-two days a year. Wow! Yeah. yeah, that's incredible. Well, again, thank thank you so much for being part of the show. This was been this is great, and yeah. uh, really enjoyed it. Yep, absolutely. We're we're gonna we're gonna come see you soon. Yep. Well, we'd love to love to have you. And again, thank you for having me and uh, promoting this great museum and giving us the opportunity to talk a little bit about naval aviation. All for right, sure. enjoy your weekend, yes, sir. Thank you. Yeah, we'll do. Take care. Yeah, that's Captain Sterling Gilliam, the director of the U.S. Naval Aviation Museum, uh, NAS Pensacola, Florida. Really, a fantastic that was, resource. That was fun. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, I'm going to tell you about Truett Insurance and Bonding for uh, a second. What do you do? We do it and have done it for 32 years. If you need business coverage, uh, home and auto insurance, uh, I do all the surety bond stuff for the contractors. So if you need bid performance and payment bonds, I'd love to work with you on that. We've been on a tear with that uh, recently, so love to keep that going. But uh, you know, unless I'll tell you a little bit about bonds for oh, a second. Sure, you know, sure. basically uh, that's putting together a line of credit for every uh for builders to to go out and do projects any project that's uh unofficially over i think fifty thousand dollars is supposed that has public money in it is supposed to be bonded which basically is just a third party guarantee that uh if the if the contractor defaults uh, the bond company will step in and you know finish the project up according to the contract term so uh, we've done that for thirty two years uh most people our agency um you know why why go to the national brokers when you can come That's work right. with big tone over here yes. and uh, we'll set you up but uh one of the things we are proud of over there we uh I've, I've always taken pride we've tried to support as many community events as we can yes and uh i was just sitting here thinking uh we're doing the kinetic cup there uh you know jay's fundraiser that helps the charge syndrome foundation we're doing that the oh, birmingham good. bowl we're going to sponsor again yeah doing the north section meeting with the alabama funeral directors uh association you know we do the cakes for the ronald mcdonald yes, house each sure, month and a lot sure. more so i'm proud of that but yep. uh that's where we use our money these other folks potentially don't yep, so yep, uh, yep, yep. i'm proud of it so anyway true insurance and bonding give us a shot locally philanthropic yeah that's for sure hey uh guy fieri is a chef guy fieri yep. is a chef and he's also a tv personality he's on a show or hosts a show called diners drive-ins and dives and he's also a friend of panini pete show oh, alone panini pete he was on There's hand a powerhouse by yeah the way. oh for sure he was on hand uh, to help out panini pete as he debuted or or did the grand opening for the waterfront uh restaurant there in daphne um but it turns out that guy fieri was probably in town on business because it appears that in the next season this upcoming season of diners drive-ins and dives by the way if you're really cool you call that triple d on this next season of triple d uh there are going to be as many as six mobile restaurants that are going to get featured on the triple d uh and it looks like the first one might be on october 20th uh they're going to feature a mobile joint it says farm to table joint cooking up killer crawfish etouffee and chicken fire. What is it? oh chicken fried quail? And then the next week they're going to have a sandwich fest. It says in Daphne there's a dynamic dip plus delicious fall off the bone pork. So tune in uh, on October 20th and October 27th to diners, drive-ins, and dives and see your Mobile restaurants feature. I'm going to give you one more little Mobile blurb down here. This happened a couple of weeks back, and uh, we've had it on the list, just hadn't had a chance to get to it, but I think this is a big deal. Yeah. Uh, the city of Mobile and Carnival Cruise Lines, they struck a five-year yeah. uh, berthing agreement, yeah. what they call it. But basically the new ship uh, – 
you know, the Carnival has been on and off in Mobile is when they send ships out and all of that. But they got a five-year uh, agreement now. It's usually a year-to-year thing. So yeah. Carnival's committing to Mobile, which is also gives really the state of Alabama and all the surrounding areas uh, an easy way to go down uh, and catch a cruise. Uh, the, some great things are happening there. But I think that's that's a huge thing to know that's going to be there. Oh, for I think sure. it's going to generate a lot of economic activity. And, uh, I, you know, I think it's just great for the state. I'll tell you what's interesting to me, and it's the evolution of ships. Uh, so I took one cruise in my life, and at the time, it was a ship called Sovereign of the Seas, and it was the seventh trip it ever, it ever that it ever took. It was its seventh voyage. It was the largest cruise ship in the world at the time, right? <laughs> and it turns out it's about 90 feet shorter than the ship that will be coming in and out of Mobile uh, for that tour, the, those, those Caribbean tours. And what's interesting is that ship – for Carnival that's going to be coming in and out of Mobile is the third smallest in the lineup of ships for Carnival, right? Yeah. So so th- this ship is an enormous ship. It's like 930 feet long, uh, and it's just incredible to me that that ship is so much bigger than it the went, one that yeah. I took, which, by the way, I, I apparently I have a couple years on me because that ship has since been retired. But the Sovereign of the Seas, this largest ship in the world at the time, is uh, smaller than the one that will be coming in and out of a Mobile. Yeah. It's just incredible, the technology. I, I'm going back for another Mobile story. Uh, they, they're going to be filming a Stephen King movie down yes, there. Yes, they I are. This, and uh, they need a lot of extras for yeah. it. So if that's something you'd like to do, The Life of Chuck is the name of the movie. And uh, it's got uh, Mark Hamill, you know, Star Wars stuff. Oh, yeah, and, uh, yeah. some other folks in it. But uh, they're going to begin filming around October 16th. If you're interested in it, you got to email uh, your age, height, cell phone number, clothing size, some, some headshots and a full body shot uh, to life of Chuck BG at gmail.com. But uh, the casting uh, company, this is legit. They've done a lot of other movies down there. Uh, or, you know, so they, uh, this, if, this may be some pathway into the movie business if you want to do it, but the life of Chuck is going to be filming down around uh, the mobile in Baldwin County. So, the, so is this, is this our end life of Chuck? bg at gmail.com is this our end are we going to be sending them our information uh i don't know you know my i've, I've said it before on here the, yeah. the movie business is brutal i was in big yeah. fish yeah. and uh they were they needed a close-up shot of somebody and tim yeah. burton got me to sit right in front of the camera yeah. and yeah. i remember thinking this is going to be amazing i'm going to be You're everywhere in. everybody's going to see it he looked into the camera for about three seconds Ooh. and then told me to get out mm. and another guy to come in. No. I didn't make the cut. It's a brutal Ooh, business. It is a brutal business. I learned I'm not pretty that day. Yep, yep. So, you know. I did get to deliver a, uh, a beer to Julianne Huff in a movie called Bigger that I don't think anybody has ever seen since it was filmed. But <laughs> um, but but we, but we I did, and it was interesting. It was like 20 different takes, and my instruction was to, to give a friendly smile to Julianne Huff, who yeah. gave a friendly smile back. I would think that'd be easy. 20 times she smiled at me. But, yeah, yeah it's a it's it's a fun it's a fun thing to do if you can get uh, uh if you can get into that extra concept yeah well let's uh let's go back to the truett insurance and bonding hotline and talk with dr lonnie Burn- burnett burnett i yes. keep wanting to put a d in there for some reason <laughs> burnett yeah president of the university of mobile yes let's talk about the university of mobile how are you this morning I'm doing great, guys. It is Burnett. I get called Barnett all the time, but it's Burnett. <laughs> Good to be with you guys. Certainly. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for uh, being part of the show this morning. Uh, you know, we've been keeping up with a lot of the uh, the in-state schools, and I keep reading good things about y'all. I know y'all keep getting like voted the best dorms in the state, so uh, just really would love to hear what's going on in, in your area, and I know uh, I think you are going to be retiring here, but you've uh, been in the position for – a long time and done a great job. So uh, just kind of fill us in on uh, what all's happening. The world of the Rams. Yes, the Rams. 
<laughs> well, it, it is wide open right now. We've had a very good year. I mean, uh, we had our largest first-time freshman class ever this wow. year, which is a, a big thing for us. And uh, those dorms are spectacular. It's a great place, student life experience. You know, like everybody else during the COVID years, we had kind of a leveling of enrollment. Uh, but things worked out great for us. Uh, we got past, you know, the worst part, certainly, and have come back very strong. So this kind of kicks off our event season, October does. So we're, we're wide open the next two or three months here, it seems like. Well, Lots of good things going on, though. For, uh, from what I've read about it, uh, you've got a, a lot of land down here to, uh, that the campus has a, a bright future in front of it. can keep growing. We've got almost 1,000 acres of land. We, this, wow. this land was donated back in the late 1950s. We've got about a thousand acres, and maybe twenty five percent is developed. So, yeah, we're not we're not poor for land at all. That's one thing we've got a lot of. So, lots of room to grow, lots of expansion. We're seeing a lot of our medical programs take off. So, yeah, there's great potential there, guys. Certainly, Doctor Burnett. That's what I was going to ask you. Is of course, you know, folks are going to be hearing about this right now. They're hearing about it in Birmingham and the surrounding area. They'll hear about it and down in Mobile, of course, but all the way up to Huntsville. And so, folks who aren't you know, intimately familiar with the University of Mobile. What are the programs that, that y'all tend to feature so that folks who are interested in applying into college could understand that's a that's an option for them? Oh, certainly. Our Probably our most popular program, our most well-known, I guess, is our music program. We have great oh, cool. music groups that travel around the world, literally. We've got a large medical uh, school also as far as nursing, all the way from associate degrees. We've got a doctoral program in nurse anesthesia. There's only three in the state, which wow. is us, UAB, and Samford. And I'll just, just a, a little tidbit here. We're enrolling, the, we're recruiting the class for next fall, for fall 2024. There's 15 slots for that class oh. in this DNAP program. There's over 300 applicants for those 15 slots. Wow. Yeah. That shows you how much in demand this is. Uh, it's a very uh, high-demand program across the state, across the southeast. There's not many programs like it, but our nursing's big, lots of teachers. Of course, we're a Baptist school, so lots of ministerial students. Oh, cool. Worship okay. leadership kind of yeah. runs the gamut across the uh, the spectrum there. Okay. I did, yeah, I didn't realize that, that it was a Baptist affiliation. That's neat. So so uh, can you say it's a, essentially a seminary program uh, for folks who are interested in that? It's not really a, it's not a graduate seminary school, but when I say a Baptist school, we're supported by the State Board of Missions. Okay. Uh, it used to be us, Judson, and Sanford. You know, Judson... Yep. Had some difficulties. They shut down. So we're we're the last Baptist school in the state. Sanford's okay. kind of independent, but yeah, we're supported by the state Baptist convention. But of course, we have you know non-Baptists going there certainly. Sure, but sure. We do have ministerial programs, a lot of worship leadership programs. Uh, it's a Christian, a Christ-centered school. So a great, great uh, background I think for our students. Kind of as a as you you know look into the future, what uh, I guess what are the goals uh, for the for the school? Are you, I know everybody wants to keep growing, but is there is there a certain number that you would love to get to at some point, or see yourself and you know reaching uh, or or different maybe programs to add? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, we're at about on campus about thirteen hundred students. You know, fifteen is kind of a sweet spot. I think when you get much past that. You've got to build more dorms, more cafeteria space, yeah. things like that. So, you know, after a while, growth is great. But at a certain point, you get to a spot where you say, here's a good sustainable number. But we could stand a few more students. Of course, all could. But, you know, if you've watched education the last few years, the trends are, for higher ed, kind of scary right now because there's just, you know, demographically less high school graduates. If you watch the news, you know, there's a big push. Do I even need college? So, all schools have got to reinvent what they do to meet the workforce needs. You know, you can't 
you can't do what you've done for the last 20 years because higher ed's changing literally every day. It's a major shift going on across the country. Every school is looking at this and kind of reinventing themselves, I think. It's a very important task we face right now. We're on the air, or you're listening to uh, Truett News Radio, and we are on the air with Dr. Lonnie Burnett, president of the University of Mobile. Go Rams. Uh, and okay. one of the questions I have, I guess, is uh, the incoming freshman class, the student population, what percentage of it is sort of from the local Mobile area versus from around the state of Alabama and then even uh, surrounding states? Good question. It's about, I'll start with the big picture, it's about 75% in state. So okay. I would say probably 50% Mobile, Baldwin, Washington County, but sure. we've got 100 international students. So we're oh, across neat. the world, I mean, literally across the world. So um, we draw very well from Florida, Texas, Louisiana, sure. Tennessee. Sure. I would say kind of a southeastern draw, but we've got kids from Australia. We've got kids from England, France, Italy. I mean, they're all over the place. But uh our big market is kind of the Mobile, Baldwin County, Escambia County, and Pensacola into Mississippi. If you draw, a, you know, kind of a, a 200-mile circle from our campus, that's kind of our sweet spot, I think, probably that area. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, it's such a yeah. great pocket down there with you guys, you know, Spring Hill, uh, USA, oh, and then sure. coastal Alabama yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and other places. Uh that's got to be a just a massive benefit for the for the mobile area that that everybody do do y'all all uh i don't know have meetings or work together in some way or does everybody just do their own thing or uh how does that kind of get fit together we actually do work together a lot i mean coastal is kind of a feeder for us so of course you know any junior college you work with these guys to bring in the transfer students certainly sure spring hill the uh, president a friend of mine mary's a good friend of mine yeah so she's great it's, you know, this, this whole gulf coast area it's a great recruiting tool if you can put the beach on your recruiting material, right? You, you <laughs> right, tell students right. that we're we're an hour from the beach. That's a great recruiting tool. More than kind of math and science, you show a picture of the beach. That's a great <laughs> thing for us. But, you know, you figure from New Orleans to Tallahassee, that's a lot of folks. There's a massive population. So you've got a good market for all these schools, it seems like. But, you know, us south, Spring Hill, you've got a good market with that population center from New Orleans, I would say, to Tallahassee along that Gulf Coast region. Very good market for us. Well, somebody was telling me too that you're you're kind of an expert in mobile history down there, and there's so much of it. Uh... Oh boy, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm a historian by trade. I taught. I've had two careers. I taught 25 years in the Mobile County public school system before I went to the university. I did 25 years K-12 taught oh, history. Cool. I came to Mobile as a professor of history back in 2004. I've been there 20 years. So yeah, I still teach history when I can. I do a class when I can. But that's kind of my field. I've written a couple of books on local people in Mobile. So that's kind of my passion is teaching history, no doubt. That's got to be fun to, yeah. to, to take a, a character yep. and, and, and uh, investigate their background and put it together, make them essentially kind of come alive through the book. That had to have been a great experience. It was fun. You got to travel the country and do research. I mean, that's for, for his story, and that's kind of a fun thing. Some folks sure. might think it's kind of minute, but I, I do enjoy doing that, certainly. Well, I, you know, it's interesting. History to me is a subject where when I had to fill in the blank, um, I didn't really enjoy history when it was required of me to know yeah. it. But the and older that I've yeah, gotten, absolutely. I am fascinated by history and the human element of virtually everything that has ever occurred that relates to us. Uh, so, you, you know, when you're down there in Mobile, all the historical figures there. Um, but, you know, even back to the founding fathers and the extraordinary courage. Sure. And uh, it, it really sure. is amazing to put your finger on, uh, you know, the yeah. human element. And now, to me, history is fascinating. Well, you know, I always tell folks that there's always been this big battle between, you know, math and science versus history. You know, I tell folks history 
is so important because math and science, for example, I use the atomic bomb as an example. Math and science can teach you to build a bomb. History teaches you what to do with it. So yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. that, that part of, of education also, yeah. the background, the moral background, you know, how to make decisions, critical thinking, stuff like that. History is a major component of that, certainly. Well, you know, you're exactly right. I mean, it, it, it is. It's so critical to figure out this is what occurred in the past. This was the result of that. And hopefully it shapes yeah. the choices that are made today. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Sure. Let, me, let me ask this Absolutely. just as far as, uh, you know, uh, future students, people that are looking around, you know, what would you like to, to tell them to, to get them to come look at you? Well, again, you know, we always tell folks we had a big preview day yesterday. If we get folks on our campus, there's a good chance they'll stay. It's a beautiful campus. It's right off of I-65, but, you know, folks in Mobile have been here all their lives and not seen our campus. You've got to yeah. get off and drive like two miles. But if, if they come to our campus and see our programs, our beautiful facilities, they're hooked. I mean, when they come to that driveway, I just invite students to come to a visit day, come for a personal private tour. They can do that easily by going to our website and lining it up. But if they sit from that campus, you'll feel something very different. You know, we're kind of a we're a mid-sized school, personal touch, mentoring. We, we put a lot of time into that. So, you know, the old cliche, you're not a number. That, that's a cliche, I know, but it's very true at our school because we do take time for that personal touch. And it's just a, a good family atmosphere. I've been there a long yeah, time. I was a student there in the 1970s. My undergraduate degree is from there in 1979, so I've been there for a long that. time. Wow. with that school so yeah wow, wow. well it's it's, it's got to be uh you got to be i mean just thrilled with uh with how it is and what what you know your influence on it and all of that so uh uh you mentioned the preview dave when is there another one coming up that people could uh check into or is it just easier to go to the website you can go to the website there's actually one on october the 9th and a couple of mondays there's one in november there's a big one in November that we do with our Christmas Spectacular program. Oh, cool. The date, I believe, is the, it's, it's the Thursday. It's the Friday before Thanksgiving. So that's a huge one for us. But you can go to our website, umobile.edu, and find all these dates. But that's the best way to kind of get the entire experience. You spend the day going through dorms and meeting professors. That's kind of the best way, I think, to get that total experience. But you, you can do a private tour, call and, and arrange a private tour for that yeah. matter. So, sounds, like that, come see us. sounds like that November event is an opportunity for the music uh, program to flex its muscles a little bit, huh, with the <laughs> yep. Christmas, yeah, yeah. It is. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, yes. That's a big program. Well, Certainly. hey, Dr. Burnett, we, gotta, we, we, we have to wrap up and go. Uh, but is there anything you'd like to, to say to everybody to, before we close up shop? I appreciate talking to you guys. Please come see us. Again, if if you come make that visit, you'll be impressed. I'm convinced. You will like what you see. Love to have you come visit. But uh, as you said, go Rams. It's a great time for us. Athletics is <laughs> in full swing. Music's in full swing. So it's just a busy time. There's a yeah. play tonight I'm going to. So busy time of the year for us. Well, we certainly appreciate you. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for My taking pleasure. time. Yeah, absolutely. We're going we're gonna to encourage everybody to go visit the University of Mobile. Do it. Thank you, guys. All right. Sure enough, that's Dr. Lonnie Burnett, the president of the University of Mobile. Go Rams. Uh, and In fact, uh, Robin just uh, texted a moment ago. Her friend Carrie has a daughter, Lucy, who's it's a Ram. Uh, well, that? she's on the women's soccer team there. I so, just yeah. think, I mean, we re we really are blessed as a state. we got a lot of great universities. And yeah. uh, 
like uh but particularly that area like i was saying they got several of them packed together down there i think it's just great um, yeah oh yeah absolutely well yeah i just i i was thinking about you know the entrance into spring hill was really pretty magnificent oh yeah we went to go go meet uh the folks well, there and, uh, south alabama's campus super yeah pretty, oh and, super uh, pretty yeah it's been one of the things that's been fun is getting to go around and see some of these things and uh, oh, i'm gonna yeah. go i'm gonna go check out the university of mobile next we have time to. i'm down there just to, to yeah, see it absolutely uh, Thinking about schools, man, I thought this was kind of cool. Georgia Tech, it's a pretty good one. Uh, But this tells you – I love just to see what the different campuses are doing. But uh, they are uh, uh, putting on – or they have a new development coming online. uh, They're about to kick off the third phase of their Tech Square area on campus. So they're going to be developing an 18-story – George Tower Ooh. and a 14-story Scheller Tower oh. on their campus combined. It's 416,000 plus square feet. Uh, so think about that in Midtown Atlanta. Yeah. Think about what their campus is sure. got to be valued at. Oh just my because gosh, of where yeah. it sits. Yeah, but uh, sure. the George Building will be home to the uh, H. Milton Stewart School of Industrial and Systems Engineering. I don't wow. even know what that is. Wow. Uh, the Scheller Tower will be Tech's graduate and executive education programs uh, headquarters, and it's a uh, part of the Georgia Tech. Scheller College of Business. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, but it's also, I like this, it's also going to have an area of socialization Ooh. called the porch the that porch. they're building in there. But this all will be online, hopefully early 2026, for uh, the students here to enjoy. But uh, I just, I, again, I go back to the to the value of the land over there. Well, I mean, it's, it's got to be uh, an asset. I mean, think about how valuable it is that it's right across the street from the varsity. I know. Can you imagine? <laughs> No, uh, can you imagine that. what the varsity's land is worth <laughs> yeah, and how they how, yeah. might, how many hamburgers must they be selling to to keep that? You know, Dr. Burnett mentioned that they had a thousand acres to work with, and th- this is uh, just a shocking headline that I saw on I think it was Construction Dive. Uh, it was a, a there's a two billion with a B as in boy two billion dollar one thousand acre theme park resort that's going to be called American Heartland that's on its way to Venita, Oklahoma. You know Venita, yes. Oklahoma. Well, I, everybody. I didn't know where it was, and it turns out uh, it's not really sort of anywhere. It's between Tulsa and both Bentonville and Fayetteville, Arkansas. It's up in the corner of the state there in Oklahoma. Uh, it's not near a major airport, but it's going to have roller coasters, an indoor water park, 300-room hotel, 320-acre RV park, uh, the RV park and cabins are coming first in 2025, which is just sort of interesting to me because that's going to be an RV park and cabins in the middle of nowhere for no particular reason. But following that, the next year will be a theme park and resort. Uh, they're eyeing a 2026 opening, and there's a projected surge of the local population of about 5,000 as a result of this thing coming in. But it's going to be interesting to watch. Hey, I, I love this story. This brings me back to like 1988. But uh, Mark Weeks and Kurt Haley, uh, they just opened a Mr. Gaddy's in Dayton. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mr. Gaddy used to be huge around here yeah. and then uh, kind of uh, went away for a while. But they've got one in Opelika, which I've seen that looks awesome. Oh. And uh, now this one in Dadeville. And uh, I'm excited to go by there at some point. And yeah. uh, I hope they still got the Gallagher machine. Oh, and nice. Yeah, in. yeah. A little so, Donkey Kong. Uh, Mr. Gaddy's making a comeback Good in Alabama. Grief. Yeah, get you a little Italian pie there. Uh, I did a deep dive in the SI. Uh, September 30th, 1968. The cover, it's uh, all colorful. It says Mexico 68. 
the Problem Olympics. Uh, apparently, they were having a lot of problems getting this thing put together in Mexico City for the Olympics in 68. But the postscript to the story is, it was in that Olympics that Dick Fosbury revolutionized the high jump with Sorry the Fosbury that. flop. Seven feet, four and a half inches. I hear some music. Yes. Who are you? I'm Tony Truitt, Truitt Insurance and Bonding. If we can help you out with your business coverage, home and auto insurance, or uh, any surety bond needs, we'd love to do it. Oh, I'm Brock Murphy with Brock G. Murphy Law Firm. Love to help you out if you're a small business or involved in construction. Tony, did you know? Did you know that ZZ Top was the very first in 1975 and the very last in 1999 that played McNichols Arena in oh, Denver? In Denver. Denver. Nice. I like that. Did you know uh, this is the movie Titanic? Director James Cameron made 12 trips to the Titanic wreck, which means he spent more time with that ship than its passengers. Did you know there was a dancing plague in 1518 that killed about 400 people in modern-day France? (laughs) I need to know more about this. Did you know that Johnny Depp and Tom Cruise were both offered the part of Jack in the movie Titanic, and Reese Witherspoon was offered the part of Rose? Yeah, well, we got to run this week. That's all we're doing. Hey, folks, glad you could listen. This is Truett News Radio in Alabama. We'll see.